Today's episode is brought to you by The Holdovers, a new film from director Alexander Payne starring Paul Giamatti. Now playing in theaters everywhere, the film reunites Payne and Giamatti for the first time since Sideways. Critics are calling it irresistibly entertaining, raucously funny, and one of the best pictures of the year. The Holdovers is now playing in theaters everywhere. Visit theholdoversfilm.com to get tickets now. We've got a special edition of the Angler podcast now that our summer of strikes has ended and SAG-AFTRA and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers have come to an agreement on a new three-year contract. After a press conference on Friday, November 10th at SAG-AFTRA headquarters, but ahead of the contract's actual language being released, I got a chance to sit down with SAG President Fran Drescher and Chief Negotiator Duncan Crabtree Ireland to talk about some of the deal's highlights and their conversations with the heads of the studios. Have a listen. AI really seemed, by all accounts, like the toughest nut to crack in those last days. And a year ago, I don't know how many actors or even writers really had AI on the forefront of their minds when they were thinking about professional concerns. Was it always apparent that this was going to be a major sticking point? And tell me a little bit about some of the challenges in negotiating something that's so future-facing and is such a fast-moving technology. Well, to me, it was always apparent it was going to be a sticking point. And, you know, we really started working on AI a couple of years ago. And back in January of this year at CES, we hosted a panel track specifically about AI and its impact on the industry. And it became really clear at that point there was going to be a real concern about the adoption of AI, how it was going to work, and how we were going to protect creative talent, including our members, from an abusive implementation of AI. So I think we knew that and we were out in front of that issue, way out in front of that issue. And then it turned out to be a huge issue, not just for us, but it was also turned out to be an issue in the DGA and WGA negotiations. And I expect it will be next year for the Teamsters, IA, AFM. I mean, the Teamsters even had a bill in the legislature in California here this year to try and stop uh, autonomous 18-wheelers from being tested without a driver in them. So I mean. This is going to be an issue that affects everyone. And I, I think that in this agreement, we've set a precedent and, and really established a path forward for others to, to benefit from as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like every element of this negotiation was touched by the digital age. And from very the simple concept of being able to audition an interview by using home uh, recording technology to the most sophisticated threats of our very essence and likeness being duplicated. So this was part of what made this an extremely seminal negotiation and historic in nature. And we saw it coming and we framed it that way when we began to figure out what our proposal package was going to be. You said at the press conference just now that one of the very last parts of that conversation revolved around synthetic performers. Can you drill down a little deeper on what that means and what were the studios looking for? What did you ideally want? Well, what it means, how we distinguish a synthetic fake or a synthetic performer is it's not a real person. So this is not just a digital replica, say a Fran, for example. This is a synthetic 
fake person that's made probably of multiple other people of inputs that are brought into a generative AI system through a training process that then generates something that comes out that has elements perhaps of people but aren't that person. And so we're obviously very concerned about that because it has implications for the future of work in the industry for actors. And it also has implications for consent because our view is that actors shouldn't be incorporated into an output like that without their consent. So we had to fight to find middle ground. The companies really did not want to agree to anything in this space, I think probably because they're sort of afraid of what that might mean in the future for things they haven't even figured out yet. But from our point of view, there needed to be these kind of guardrails and protections so our members could feel safe in doing this work. And I think where we've ended up really does provide that assurance that your facial features aren't gonna be incorporated into some, as some people would call it, like a Frankenstein output without your consent. And fundamentally, that's what this negotiation has been about for AI is consent, informed consent, empowering people to say yes or no to what people wanna do in the digital realm with their image likeness, voice, and performance. And for a long time, they kept coming back and saying, that's not gonna happen. We don't have plans to do that. And you'll just have to trust us, but we're not gonna put it in writing. And it's like, come on, do, you, do I look like I was born yesterday? Whatever intimidation or reason that they thought we would accept, uh, they were in for a rude awakening and got you know a learning curve very quickly that we weren't pushovers. And speaking of the entities in the room, I mean, this time around, you had streamers, Netflix, Amazon Studios, Apple TV Plus. These were not players that have been present in previous negotiation cycles. How did the differing priorities of the streamers, did they sort of make themselves apparent during the conversations? Because they're all operating under the broad umbrella as a bargaining entity under the AMPTP, but they all have very different priorities of their own. Well, you know, honestly, I, I never want to go back to working with the middleman. If they want their negotiating team of lawyers to advise them, that's fine. But that's not the way to do business. It's not the way to negotiate a contract. And I felt that there was a lot about how it was initially presented. And maybe because I was new, that I found very uh, repugnant. And right away we started making changes. We're never gonna do that again. We're never gonna do this again. This has to stop right here and now. I wanna talk to your boss. Any uh, practices in particular? Well, I think that it didn't really ever make sense to me to go to their offices. It seemed like it. we should have been on neutral ground. I don't wanna have to be put in a position where I have to greet them like I'm in school. You know, it's like, uh, excuse me, but we're not peons, we're partners. And you'll treat us with that level of respect. Don't try and put us into a position where you're in power and we're powerless because nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, to your, to your question about the company specifically like Amazon, Apple, Netflix. I mean, particularly with Amazon and Apple, obviously these are companies that come out of the tech industry, which doesn't have such a experience working with organized labor. It's not necessarily a quote unquote labor friendly environment in the, at the sort of corporate level. 
And obviously this industry, thankfully, is one that has a very high union density and a very strong history of labor, unity, and solidarity. And so I do think that there may be some benefits that come from them being in a group together with some of these other companies in terms of understanding how to relate to labor. But you know, Netflix, just as an example, I mean, it, it comes out of a tech industry startup environment, and yet we've had a separate agreement with Netflix up until this negotiation. And some of the advances in this negotiation were predicated on deals we previously negotiated with Netflix. So it is a complex dynamic in that room, I'm sure. And you know, as, as Fran said, fundamentally, the issue is, can there be a negotiation either done together, collectively, jointly, or in some other configuration that delivers the kind of respectful relationship that actually can help maintain labor peace in this industry. Because the fact is, none of the workers in this industry are going to let themselves be dictated to anymore by, by big companies, I don't think. And so if the companies are smart, there is an opportunity to reconfigure their approach to make it more productive and mm-hmm. less disruptive. And, you know, both with the home stretch of the Writers Guild talks and the renewed discussions with you all after the WGA deal was agreed upon, it seemed helpful and impactful to have those studio chiefs and those top executives actually in the room. Tell me a little bit about the impact of having them there. Did it expedite things? Did it ever slow things down? I mean, it probably, it may have slowed things down a few times, but I think it expedited, but ultimately expedited the deal because some of the things that we were really determined to achieve in this negotiation, it feels like the folks in the room before them didn't have the authority to go there. And I think perhaps without hearing firsthand from us, and this seems to have been the Writers Guild experience too, they couldn't get their bosses there. So I I do think that in the future, I hope that the CEOs will be more engaged directly with labor negotiations. I mean, it only happens once every three years, but as has been amply demonstrated, if they aren't handled correctly, and if the needs of the crucial creative talent in this industry aren't addressed, then what you end up with is potentially damaging disruption to the industry. What issues were above the AMPDP's pay grade, so to speak? I mean, I think the AI issue is just a great example because, I mean, it not only took the CEOs, it took all of the CEOs, not just the so-called gang of four, but all of them. And even with all of them, it took us multiple, multiple discussions and sessions with them. And only at the very last minute, literally the last day, did they come through with what was needed to push the deal across the finish line. So, uh, I mean, that's just one example. And the new stream of revenue that... We have for 35 days, they said, absolutely not. That was not on their radar at all. They thought that we were crazy to think that they were going to open up a whole new stream of revenue. But our logic made sense. And our argument was compelling. And they very quickly saw that they were losing the narrative with the public and with the industry at large. So they had to figure something out. They had to accommodate what we needed. How similar is this uh, success-based streaming bonus to what the Writers Guild achieved? So I sort of divided into two buckets. There's the inbound money and then there's the outbound money or the distribution of that money. On the inbound side, it's very similar, except it's more 
substantially more in terms of the amount of money. On the outbound side, on the distribution money side, it's completely different. Part of it is, is a similar structure in terms of the people who work on the series that are most successful on the platform. But the fund concept, the entire concept there is completely different from what's been done anywhere else. And this fund concept is designed to let us spread that money out over a broader group of talent, of, of actors who work on those projects so that as Fran has put it, we can help keep this industry sustainable in the streaming space for actors in a way it isn't now. And that, that fund gives us the flexibility to do that in ways that otherwise would be very difficult to achieve. And it also gives us the flexibility to evolve that structure as the industry evolves without it having to be tied to collective bargaining timeframes. So I think there's a lot to be said for it. It's worked out really well for our members in the music space where we've had a fund like that for over a decade. And I'm excited to see how it will, how it will benefit our members in this, in this contract. And Fran, as a performer yourself, I'm really curious, since you'll be very directly impacted by the contract as a performer, what were one or two of the biggest wins for you personally? Maybe some things that haven't been, you know, headliner issues. Is there anything in there that you were like, this is the thing that I've always wanted? I think that for people like me who would be regarded as Schedule F, right? I negotiate my own deals. The contract that I have been fighting for really doesn't impact me as much as it impacts the journeyman uh, performer and background people and people that have specialties that did not have the protections that they needed, people that audition to get their parts. So up and down the ladder, it wasn't really as much for people on my level. However, I do feel like I'm a very specific personality and the temptation to rip me off, my essence, my look, my character, whatever, is pretty threatening. And so I should say that for me and for the people that are even the most successful in our industry felt the threat of AI needed their union to protect them. And we did. Yeah, what what else? Is there anything else? I mean, I think the headliners have been AI, this streaming participation bonus, uh, you know, the minimum rate increases. Sort of what else is has been a, a significant win here? Well, breaking pattern mm-hmm. was huge. I mean, I you know, it it, it doesn't really make sense And I said that to them in the room. You know, if you want to pay us the minimum that you're paying directors or writers for my members, okay, I'll take what they're getting. But that's not the case. We get significantly less in our minimums for the people that they pay under SAG-AFTRA. Because there's so many of us and, you know, it's just apples and oranges. But then don't make the increase uh, a pattern, because that doesn't make sense. I think there's just so many improvements in this contract for so many members. I can't remember seeing it ever be quite this comprehensive before. And whether you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're a background actor, you're a stunt coordinator, whether you're a voiceover actor, whether you are at the start of your career, at the end of your career, there is something significant in here for just about everybody. and. A lot of it are things that 
have been waiting for their day that have finally arrived, whether it's changes to the Schedule F cutoffs or whether it's finally increasing the uh, caps for pension and health contributions, or whether it's finally addressing the fact that you've got singers who dance and dancers who sing and weren't getting paid for the second talent. That just isn't right. And so there's so many things. And one other thing that I would highlight, because I think they never quite get enough attention, is the background community does such a, a lot of hard work and doesn't really get recognized enough for it. And so to have them, who are our lowest earning members in this contract, receive an outsized increase immediately to help address the impact that, that inflation has had on them, I think is something that, that I'm really proud of. And the fact that we are making real changes in their coverage structures, creating more jobs for background actors that are covered under this contract, I think those are some things that'll have a real immediate benefit to a lot of working people. And I think that's something we can all be very proud of. Fran, Duncan, thank you so much for your time. Thank Excellent. you, thank you. That was sag Fran Drescher and Duncan Crabtree Ireland from sag headquarters. Tune in again for our regular weekly Ankler pod with Sean McNulty and Richard Rushfield, where we'll break down the week's biggest news as always. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Holdovers, a new film from director Alexander Payne starring Paul Giamatti. Now playing in theaters everywhere, The Holdovers reunites Payne and Giamatti for the first time since Sideways. Critics are calling it irresistibly entertaining, raucously funny, and one of the best pictures of the year. The Holdovers is now playing in theaters everywhere. Visit theholdoversfilm.com to get tickets now.